0: Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney.
1: All right. Good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So it's been an adventure today. Uh, we'll get into it probably because it's open format. But we, I just got back from the hospital again, guys. And that's right. Like regular listeners, this is not a collapsed lung. I'm all healed up. I, I survived the, 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 the heli-skiing wedding last month. Uh, this was not me. It was my my dad. Luckily, it's nothing life-threatening, but I always like to be transparent on this show so you guys know that I'm still a real, normal human being with the same struggles and trials and tribulations of everybody else in life. And the reason why I wanted to kind of set that uh, precedent today is because this gentleman, I've been trying to get on for a while. And those of you guys out there who have been a regular subscriber, you know that I've been to a wonderful and powerful event called Thrive Make Money Matter for the past couple of years Uh, This gentleman has graced that audience, and uh, I unfortunately had to reschedule on him uh, because of said collapsed lung in January. Uh, You know, things happen. So let me give you a quick skinny on this gentleman. He works with entrepreneurs and business leaders, and you know how much we love to teach that balance of health, business, and lifestyle, but he does this all over the world. And, you know, when people are seeking clarity about their future or want to move through roadblocks, seen and unseen... They call him, and he's not just a speaker. Let me tell you, having been in the audience, a powerful speaker, and he's inspired and challenged the Canadian Olympic team, the, uh, to the Pentagon. I mean, I could keep going. So for the video watchers out there, and obviously the listeners out there, I'm already holding up his book, One Last Talk. The author, the powerful speaker, the most transparent person I've come across in the past two years, Philip McKernan. Welcome to the show, sir.
0: Thank you. I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me.
1: Well, thanks for us to finally reconnect. You are a busy man, and I was so afraid to have to reschedule on you. So it just took us a couple months to get you back on the mic.
0: Yeah, and it's great to be here. And in fact, uh, I'm very impressed because it's a Friday afternoon and I normally have my Fridays are completely empty, but... Uh, I knew that you had had a tough time, and Amy, my assistant, made sure that uh, she she got she got this done. So, um, so you got a rock star assistant. <laughs> yeah, she's she's great. Actually, no, she's crap. Because I don't <laughs> want anybody. I don't want anybody poaching her. She's completely shit. Don't go near her.
1: Do you really think somebody has the balls to poach somebody from you? Come on. I mean, that's no, it's that's aggressive. And by
0: the way, by the way, if, if she's poachable and she wants to go, she's better off heading off because uh, I I used to lead from a place of um, I suppose insecurity or, or, or a lack of, um, a lack of, you know, even maybe too much scarcity or, or, you know, you know, just a, you know, just a belief that there was never enough and there wasn't the right person. And, you know, again, if someone wants to go, they can go and we'll figure it out from there.
1: Well, I love the fact that you're just ripping the lid off and just diving right into the honesty and transparency. I kind of set that at the beginning, but, uh, I, you're one of the influencers out there. I'm going to go ahead and throw your props and I'm not trying, ladies and gentlemen, the us this. I'm not here to stroke his ego. I don't need to. He, you know, he's got that Irish bloodline. Again, Scott Leo Mulvaney, I got the Irish bloodline. I just, You're one of those influencers out there that reminds me of the power and the freedom of becoming more transparent. So on that theme, let's just go ahead and like give him a little bit more reason why you brought that up. I mean, why did you become so transparent like this and talking about that scarcity mindset? Because that affects so many of us.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, the end of the day, you know, from a business standpoint, it doesn't really work because I know for certain that if you imply, and, you know, give off this perception that you're awesome and everything you touch goes to gold and that you're the perfect father, you're the perfect husband, you're great in bed, you're great at this, you're great at that. Um, You know, people buy into that stuff. I I think they buy into it short term. And I think what you do is you, you, you appeal to a certain insecure person who's looking for perfection, because they don't see it themselves. Um, But honestly, I I don't know if I've become this way. I think I was always this way. But I think for years, like a lot of people, I think I started to pretend it didn't exist, because I wanted to fit in, I wanted to stand out, I wanted to be special, I wanted to be important. And what I've realized on a really basic level, it is absolutely beyond exhausting trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not it is mind-blowingly stifling in terms of creativity in, types, in terms of energy in terms of your sex drive every it affects everything hmm. and i just i'm not sure i'm 100 transparent maybe i am maybe i'm not i don't i don't think it's for me to decide but i just say it as it is right now to the best of my ability i just say what i'm feeling not just thinking and and honestly, I feel lighter and I feel happier. I feel more content and certain people don't like it and that's okay. And then other people love it and that's more than okay.
1: Well, I love where you're going with that too, because uh, again, we, we kind of, we're hitting on the scarcity mindset. How, I mean, exhausting, right? There's so many influencers out there who talk about right energy and flow state and where your mindset as well as your body. And for years, I was a big physical guy. But then I, may, I can really thank my maturity, I guess, or just going to powerful events or coming across <clears throat> powerful books and influencers. And I, I'm a huge advocate for motivation, inspiration, but taking the accountability and responsibility for your own personal and professional development, and I know you could talk to that. So would you say personal and professional development helped you kind of awaken that component or did that already get ripped off? And then obviously the lid got ripped off to get more into that development component because what was the biggest trigger to help you realize that, dude, I'm not being myself. This is exhausting
0: yeah well i remember the very first day it started it's a kind of an embarrassing story but screw it we're already in let's go for it Um, so i went i went i met a therapist um a psychotherapist and he said listen you know you do a lot of work you do a lot of coaching i'm sure you come across some heavy lifting situations that perhaps you either don't want to deal with or cannot deal with and um it's shifted today i mean it does happen and i and i feel very comfortable in that environment Um, And I said, "Well, what what are you saying?" I said, "Well, you know, if you don't want to deal with that, you know, maybe you could refer people to me." And I said, "What do you do?" He said, "I'm a psychotherapist." And I said, "That makes a lot of sense." Uh, Meaning, and I was being sarcastic. Meaning, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) So I said, "Why don't we do this? Why don't I come and see you?" Um, And it's got to be under that lens, by the way, because I'm way too cool for therapy, and and I don't have any shit to work on. That was that was who I was at that time. And I'll come to you, and we'll basically we'll do these sessions, and I'll get a sense of what you do. And I walked into his house. He operated out of his living room. And I walked in, I turned the corner, and there's two chairs facing each other at a slight angle. And there's the biggest box of Kleenex you could imagine. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it looked like it was like three foot high, it looked like a big wholesale box of Kleenex that you know a rugby team would have for the entire team. And I remember looking at the chair, looking at the Kleenex, and this is how stupid or naive I was. I actually sat in the other chair and I thought to myself, Jesus, he must have a bad cold. Hmm. And then he walks in, he goes, sorry, you're sitting on the wrong chair. And then I sat down and then I had a Jerry Maguire moment. If you've ever seen the movie and I looked down, oh, the yeah. and I went, ain't gonna happen, buddy, to myself. I said, he ain't gonna make me cry, not a chance. And I, I was only in the same, he, he just turned around, he said something like, so, so why are you here? <laughs> and I, went, I, I Such a like simple question and the tears started to flow and the anger started to flow mm. and the judgment started to flow and the hatred started to flow. And then the sadness started to flow. And before you know it, I'm reaching for the Kleenex, and I'm thinking this box better be, he better have two of these boxes, because I'm going through this shit in real time. And then- It's
1: on, man, it's on.
0: Yeah, and it felt like two minutes later, he goes, "Eh." anyway, that's our hour up. And I'm thinking, screw you, I'm just getting started. So what that did for me was, it allowed me to realize how much untapped emotion how much negative emotion and positive emotion I was holding inside of my body, thinking and telling myself and trying to justify myself that everything was awesome. Everything's okay. And you're going to be okay. And what I, what I also was afraid of is was going and doing any type of deeper internal work because of, I knew deep down intuitively this was there, but the reality is the pain that was being caused in my life by not addressing it far outweighed the short-term pain of addressing it.
1: Hmm. And just to throw a number on this, like how old were you when this happened, roughly?
0: Oh, this was, I was probably, this is probably, I'm 46 now. Let's just say 16 years ago, okay. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, it may not even be that long ago, actually. It's probably f- 12, 14, something
1: okay. like that. It, well, it's, I just find it intriguing because uh, there's a, a quote that I just started saying accidentally, probably about a year ago, after about a year and a half into this show, just from this mindset stuff we're talking about right now. And there's also this emotion component. And whether we're talking about people going to the gym or people starting a business or whatever it is, it, it started coming out and I'm like, wow, man, we're just all at a different place on the timeline. So every once in a while, I like to throw an age number out there because like I'm 41 now, right? I'm in my forties. I, I just got around to getting married last month. So it's like, okay, let's throw that on the, on the, uh, the roster. But this vulnerability thing that you brought up, I didn't know how powerful vulnerability was. Like I, I don't really, this is not a romance podcast show. But again, influencers like you helped awaken this component, right? This like, what is vulnerability, right? And, and w- the fastest way I can now translate it is strength. And I didn't know what that was because I'm the farm kid, you know, grew up, you know, hardworking, shoveling shit, you know, work my way up, pay my way through school, got chased the corporate dreams, left them. Part of my backstory of this show and my fires my logos, I, I got to serve as a hotshot out in the western part of this country, right, as a, as a U.S. Forest Service hotshot, one of the elite wildland firefighters, that was a humbling experience, like, helped pull my head out of my ass, but I was still a tough guy, right, and then I met now my now wife, and I lasted a year dating, and she broke up with me, because <laughs> I was just cold, man, I was cut off, that was that one piece of me, the heart, I wasn't unlocking, and I brought it up on a few shows, so I've just Thought I'd throw that in there because you, you and I are helping vibe in a little bit more, and you know, because like, this, this stuff means a lot to me, man. Because I didn't know what vulnerability was, I didn't know it's, that was actually strength.
0: It is the it is the gateway to connection. Um, I mean, I call the whole emotional space soul set, and that's a term that we we use to describe a philosophy that we live by. And I do, I describe it like this: for those of you who are going to watch this in video, I've got my two hands, and they're 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 next to each other in a line. And this is a relationship, okay? So there's one here, and there's somebody else here. There's you here. There's your wife. There's there's me, and there's my wife. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can deepen a relationship on earth is by giving somebody a genuine sense of vulnerability, sharing something that perhaps they didn't know about you, sharing something that you didn't necessarily want to share with that person. What happens is you may go again, and you might share again, and then finally you share again. And then eventually, if that person doesn't begin to meet you in that level of vulnerability, what ends up happening is you check out, the relationship moves back to this standpoint, and it flatlines. In other words, it stays there or it dissolves. Now, here's the caveat. Here's the one The one challenge with vulnerability Mm. is that it's now become kind of sexy. And now what you're seeing is the emergence of speakers on stage using vulnerability as a way to try. Notice I'm saying try and connect with the audience. And you can smell it a mile away. You can tell that they're sharing a story. They're even tearing up. And you know that they're sharing it because they're seeking an outcome. They've got a they've got almost a, an expectation attached to it. Mm. Or they're sharing it because it's been perceived as being sexy and cool in the world today. So in other words, if you use it, if you use any type of vulnerability to achieve anything in life, it will backfire on you and r- rightly should. But if you're yeah. using it from a much deeper place, because you know what? It's time to share whatever it is. People will actually not just see you and hear you in a different way. They will meet you in that place. And that's where connection really emerges
1: interesting so I mean no one's actually brought that up uh, before on this show when we when we've talked about vulnerability I never really thought about people trying to strategically use that as I don't know like public speakers may use that on stage I've seen people cry on stage right so I never thought about it that way and if you
0: sit in the audience and you get out of your head and you just connect and you ask yourself a very simple question is do I believe this person right now doesn't mean they're lying doesn't mean they're not trying to be sincere they're probably not even conscious of it Hmm. but do i believe what they're saying to me or have they actually done the work on the thing they're talking about have they actually gone into it and i think what a lot of us are we're afraid of vulnerability we're afraid of our own individual truth we're afraid of emotion but at the end of the day we want to be deeply accepted by society we want to be seen we want to be loved for who we are not for who society wants us to be all those things can be achieved through the lens of showing The parts of you, vulnerability is basically showing up and allowing people to see all of you unapologetically. Mm. The essence of who you are, the good, the bad, and the extremely ugly. And if you meet somebody in your life who tells you that they don't have an ugly part of their life or they don't have any shame, they don't carry regret, they are completely and utterly lying to you Mm. or lean over and before you call them a liar, just check their pulse and just see if they're actually human. Everybody has that, but the thing is we hide that and that's why we created One Last Talk to try to bring this conversation dialogue to the world.
1: Yeah, that's, by the way, crushed the book. I mean, just uh, loved it. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and admittedly, I, I actually, I didn't get a chance to read it with the hospital stuff. So I ended up uh, taking it on, on the wedding trip because uh, we did, uh, I kind of hinted, we did like a heli skiing trip up to uh, Banff in Alberta, Canada, and then spent a second week skiing over in British Columbia, Revelstoke, and did some backcountry snowcat skiing. So the whole theme of that trip for me was I'm too plugged in. So I unplugged and I was like, yeah. okay, there's no audio books. There's no podcasts, you know, you're good for you. keep the laptop closed. You know, it's there for, for some reason, if you needed it, I don't even want to call it an emergency, but then cracking out some good old fashioned books and getting outside the comfort zone. So the, I don't know if it was the Canadian Rockies, but it made for a great pairing.
0: Good. <laughs> so, Excellent.
1: Uh, but, but this, this drive to write this book, I mean, how long have you been speaking now? I mean, it's been,
0: you know, I've been speaking for a number of years, yeah. uh, but I don't do a lot of speaking and I don't really want to do a lot of speaking because it means that I have to travel and be away from my family. Mm. So I'm actually saying no to more speaking events than ever.
1: You know, uh, that reminds me of, uh, what's his name? I mean, probably for different reasons. Well, maybe family too, but uh, you know, that big entrepreneurial guy, uh, Andy Frazella? I don't oh, know. Okay. He, he, yeah. He's been cutting back on his public speaking and it's interesting because his theme was yes, about life balance. But also, he's like, you know, there's people who just keep going to these events. They go to the event. They go to the events. They get the high. But then they never take action on that. So mm. I just wanted to kind of throw that into the mix and see what your thoughts were on that. So not, cause I, since I met you speaking at an event, so.
0: Oh, I've got a lot, I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> and this is, and this is where the wheels might come off a little bit for some, and it might come across as people say, oh, he's one of the haters. He's one of this or whatever. It is what it is. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the, the lack of action. So here, here's one thing that I want to show. There's a number of things I want to share. We could do the whole podcast in this is that <laughs> events are, not no one sets out to create an event to deliver event to make people feel more insecure in their own skin. I don't think anyone intentionally does that. Mm. However, there is this phenomena where you go to an event, you hear all these multiple speakers. Some might be amazing. Some might just really deeply resonate with you. And then some, you could take it or leave it. And what ends up happening is you leave there kind of fired up. You're ready to rock and roll and you leave. And then there's this cycle that happens. You don't execute on the things you committed to doing. And then it's like eating a burger, eating a burger, when you know you should be eating a salad, and then you go that night, screw it. I'm going to have a glass of wine. But even though I said I wasn't drinking alcohol this week, and you get into this kind of repetitive, you know, uh, you know methodology and, and and mechanical approach to beating the shit out of yourself and making yourself feel even worse about yourself. But in the end, we leave, but also sometimes these speakers inadvertently make you feel actually worse about yourself because they're up on stage telling you about all their successes and they're not necessarily in a very authentic way sharing a lot of their, 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 their losses or their failures or the places in life where they're fundamentally being challenged right now. Hmm. The other thing is, and this is where a lot of people don't like this, but no one's talking about it, so I don't really care right now, is that is, that is the amount of speakers that stand on stage and share one thing but get off stage and live a completely different life is staggering. Staggering.
1: So is this, this, are we going to tie this back to transparency? Is that what the issue is? Do you think? Why is there so, why do we have two different worlds? Why are they not one?
0: Well, the reason is that people feel that they have too much to lose. So I'm getting a lot of, um, you know, proportionally, we don't have a massive business, but we have a very boutique coaching business I'm getting a, a number of, of of well-known speakers and coaches uh, coming to our work over the years. Mm. Some of them just don't care where they go. They just want to do the real work and they're prepared to sit in a room and allow people to see the fact that they're not perfect, that they have issues and they're human and they've got a pulse. But there's many of them who say, hey, can we just do some one-to-one calls? And I go, no, no, my work is best in small, intimate environments, because the greatest work you're going to get there is actually listening to other people. Mm -hmm. And they go, yeah, I don't want to do the group thing. I don't believe in group things. And yet, that's what they sell on the stage themselves. They don't want to do the group thing, because they don't want to be seen to have challenges. And that's a lonely place. And I'll tell you exactly how this happens. When we are standing shoulder to shoulder like this, you and I are exactly equal, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, We just live and approach life maybe slightly differently, but we're shoulder to shoulder. What happens is society is obsessed with pushing people onto a pedestal. I mean, to the point where it was 15 years ago, production companies walked into the kitchen, grabbed chefs and said, you're gonna be famous and we're doing shows on you. We we have this incessant need to amplify people above us to illustrate that we're not good enough. And what happens is as they get pushed up in society, and I'm using a pyramid here in my hands, As they get pushed from society, which, number one, they allow, and number two is we're facilitating it. They get pushed up, and finally, they're at the top of the pyramid. And when you look left and right here, you're together. You look left and right here, there's nobody beside you. And look at the distance you have to fall. Mm. Every one of these speakers tumbled down that mountain at some point, and they became disconnected within themselves. They set out with great intentions but lost themselves along the way, and none of them realized it. I say to every speaker that comes to work with me, every influencer, every key person, assume you're already lost. Assume you're already starting to believe your own hype and that you're you're less aware than you think. Make that your natural starting point. Mm. And if I'm wrong, phenomenal, but what if I'm right?
1: I think one, powerful. Uh, I, I think that what's setting into my mind is, is again, it's one thing to become more vulnerable and transparent to one person, maybe like my example earlier was obviously my now wife, right? She broke up with me, and I had to win her back. Uh, I, I, I the next ninety days, I turned all my energy of personal and professional development back into myself and her, and try to figure out what the hell my bullshit was. Um, my walls were up on the heart type of thing, but what the, the what I'm getting out of you right now is just like okay. It, it, for some reason, what popped in my head just now was Alcoholics Awareness, right? Like that's a group setting, and I think there's what well, I'm—I'm just picturing this. I've never been to one of those things, but I know people who have needed that organization. And usually, when you look at that organization, it's usually group events, right? You're not just one-on-one. You're surrounding yourself with your peers. Everybody's sharing their weaknesses or their opportunities, you know, together. Yep. Yeah. And there's a lot of Absolutely. energy coming out of that.
0: There is, um, but the, you know, the, the, we live in a world today that doesn't reward you for showing your weaknesses. It rewards you for being successful, and therefore you end up getting into this repetitive cycle where you know you 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 post something on Facebook that perceives you as being successful. People respond to it. People sign up to your coaching program, whatever it happens to be, and then you do it more and more and more, and then you build that muscle, and you just forget that actually, you know what? It's okay to allow people to see that fact that you're actually you've got flaws. You you've got you're beautifully flawed as a human being, is what I say. And uh, we just, we're just we just not as rewarded in society to to allow people to see that part of us. We're just not.
1: You know, and, and actually, because I haven't done it yet during this show, ladies and gentlemen, who's hearing this, I, you obviously have to watch this on YouTube, but um, I'm going to do some screen sharing real quick just to show his site. But right when you visit his site, and it's his name, you know, com. you know, it'll all so be linked in the show notes. Uh, but right here, like 90% of people die with regret. Uh, I work with the other 10%. <laughs> You cut right to the chase, man. Love it. Um, you know, in, in these groups, do you find? I don't know. I, I guess from what I'm hearing from you is your your job, right? Is not to convince them to come into these groups. You obviously want them to, but in the end, it's like, dude, if you don't, if you're not ready yet, you're not ready. Uh, I mean, do you find people backing off like that, or do you just have to say, "Oh, yeah,
0: 100 no? oh, percent." People okay. say, "Oh, you know, I get to that work eventually, and I, I might do one of these deep dives," but really, right now, I'm building my business, and the reality is. If you understand who you are and you can get in touch with you know the essence of who you are and what you're here to do it'll allow you to build a business at a much more effective rate hmm. and not just build a business but build a business that's actually fulfilling um and there's a big difference you know making money is, is relatively easy making money doing something you love is a little bit more challenging but shouldn't be a lot more challenging it should be the easy part and right. um, so people do resistors and i find that historically people would come to me in a very reactive mode now people are coming to me in a very proactive mode they're saying hey there's obviously something in this work because i'm hearing about it or people are recommending it or whatever why don't i go and see the worst case scenario i spend a four days with this guy or five days with this guy or two days with this guy and i walk away thinking hey he's full of crap and i'm bang on the right course, I know exactly that, I, I, I'm, I'm perfect, and that's the worst thing that can happen, but I would encourage anybody, and even if it's not with me, is do some of the deeper work, but people talk about doing deeper work, I read that book, so I understand that, they don't, they understand it intellectually, but they don't understand it emotionally, and that's what I say, mindset and soul set, soul set is integration, it's bringing it into the essence of who you are, mindset, a lot of mindset is just about understanding it intellectually, and therefore it doesn't It doesn't necessarily allow you to navigate life without,
1: you know, uh, as you're telling me all this, obviously and our listeners, it it makes me wonder because obviously, you know, the target of the show is like, we love, I love to, I think it's my, I think it's our, you know, legacy responsibility, right? To pass knowledge on to the next generations. If you want to however you want to word that, right? Like I'm Gen X, I love targeting the millennials, but you know, it's a mixed bunch. And again, I, I said earlier this whole, Hey, we're just at a different place in the timeline, but do you find through these – because, I mean, nowadays there's there's coaches that are in their 20s. There's coaches in their 30s. Uh, no offense. Some people may take offense to this. I'm sorry. If you're an 18-year-old life coach, you got to pull your head out of your ass. You haven't lived life yet. I mean, I mean, unless you, like, survived a massive, you know, injury or something like that. That's a, obviously a very unique story. But I truly believe there's a piece of the timeline of maturity, life experience, you know, challenges. It takes time to build a lot of this. What are your thoughts around that? Because – You you see these in your coaching groups, right? There's people at different places in the timeline, different uh, age groups. Do you think that, do you find that, you know, a lot of us are struggling a lot more these days in the 20s than the 30s? I shouldn't say us because I'm in my 40s, (laughs) but. I don't know. What are your thoughts around the timeline, the the ages? What are you What are you guys seeing in these groups? Because what, number one, I love. I was just screen sharing in your base camp. The very first thing he says there is, "I like, get a personal reality check." <laughs> love that.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of a lot, a lot of us want a lot of us are very forward focused. We're looking at the future, and we're not we're not willing to ask the questions of today. Mm. So a lot of people would say, if they're parents, I want to be a better parent. But the question I say is, are you content with who you are as a parent today? And if my answer is no, well, then you look at, you know straight away what that is, and therefore the things you can change. So I think a lot of us are too forward focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the younger generation, I think there's no doubt in my mind, at a young man in my house the other day who called over for coffee, He went and studied for years and years and years, and now he's even more lost because he studied something that he thought would give him success. He's now overqualified academically in many ways, thinking that that piece of paper would open so many doors. And the reality is it's not. And I think as as time progresses, I think education, formal education is going to become less important and in, in many ways, uh, you know, irrelevant. So I think the younger generation, they have to, they have to adjust their expectations. I think they're very smart. Um, I think there's an emergence of a younger generation that actually probably are a little bit smarter, that, smarter than some of the 40-year-olds. They actually know and see the value in taking time and working on themselves and working on the emotional stuff because we are becoming a very disconnected race. Oh. We're living in our heads and that is why I feel that we don't connect as much is that people are living here. Mm. And the reason they live in their heads is that, you know, I, I appreciate the knowledge comment, but I think there's information. We're living in the information age. Oh, yeah. And I think the problem is that we're, we're consuming information, which becomes knowledge, but we're not allowing that knowledge to transcend into wisdom and therefore awareness. We're too, busy, we're too busy running onto the next thing, the next episode, the next book, the next business, the next course. And it's that in t- deep internal emotional integration is the thing that changes people it's not an intellectual awareness and that is the hardest thing to get across to people if you go to star trek just look it up look up the borg in star trek oh, it's a, the borg the borg and it's a square machine it's, it's like a, a machine
1: mind like, concept yeah
0: Yeah, they fly around in this square machine and they basically abduct you and assimilate you and they remove all your conscious organs. They remove your heart, your soul, but not your soul, but your heart, your brain, whatever. And what they do is they replace it by machines. You're half human, half machine. And therefore, that is what we are becoming in society. And that's what many have become. And the reason we live in our heads is because we're not allowing the, the the information to drop deep enough. Number one. Number two is we're not dealing with trauma, which is preventing us from feeling more emotion and connection in this world. There you go. Good man. Yeah. I haven't seen that for many years. Right. And then <laughs> yeah, totally. And the final thing is that you know, a lot of there's a lot of blockage there. And I think it's when we get out of our brain and the brain, the mind allows us to stay in control. If I'm up here, I'm in control of my emotions. Bullshit. Hmm. We're so afraid to feel in this world because we don't want to be hurt. If you're living in your head and you're a control freak and, 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 the, and, the, and the increase in control, people being trying to be in more control is accelerating society. If you think you're in control of anything, you are mistaken. Because control, the essence of control is an illusion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can influence, but you cannot control shit. And the more you try to control, the more painful this world is going to be. The more you try to control your wife, it's like couples, often it's the opposites attract. And we see something in somebody that we don't either recognize or genuinely see in ourselves. We, we we meet that person in the world. We get married. We get engaged, whatever. And then we spend the next 5, 10, or 15 years trying to change that person to see the world like we do. We do the same in business. We do the same in life. We do the same in relationships. And it's all about control.
1: Yeah, I, I love that connection just from a, a, a relationship standpoint because i I, I can admit that, right? I, I love being transparent on the show, and, and I tell people, like, I stayed, I was a single bachelor for years. I justified it based on, oh, well, I'm building my career. Oh, and then I decided to start, you know, going to college all nights and weekends as an adult student. So, oh, I'm too busy working and going to school. And, and then there was the firefighting. Like, I literally had a line. I, I used to tell people, I'm like, oh, well, the girls, when I was living in Arizona and on the camp or the fire base, and I was gone for sometimes months at a time. So I just tell them, Oh well, listen. You know, I'm I'm sorry. I just don't want the distraction. You know, I'm I'm serving in public service. I here. I just I don't want to hurt you because I can't be around all the time. That was my excuse for not even trying to build a relationship. And I'm like, I look back now and I'm like, you're such a jackass. I mean. <laughs> it's such bullshit it was just what i needed to tell myself to justify why i was afraid to open up my heart and possibly you know get to know somebody yeah deeper. but I,
0: and i and i think if you don't mind because we talked about this before and i said you know you can ask me any question you said you know you can come back at me and, yep. and what i would what i would say respectfully to to you and to anybody listening is yes those those things were not true those things sounded very You know, sounded very you know caring to some extent, societally and and relationship that you were willing to knock into relationships you wanted to protect other people. But the reality is, it's probably a lot about you as opposed to anybody else, and it was about your own insecurities, about your own protection and your own afraidness. But here's the thing: the thing that concerns me about anybody who's sitting there going "Holy shit, I'm the same," is where we move from that realization to what we say next. Okay. What we say next is typically "fuck." When I look back, I'm such a loser. Like I'm such a such a dickhead, such a whatever. Mm. And it's the judgment. It's like you somebody realizes that they're out of alignment in the work they do. And if they've stayed in that job for a very long time doing something they don't want to do, the judgment tends to be, look at me, I'm such an idiot. Six years, I'm, I've wasted my life. Think about the the, the negativity. Yeah. Rather than going, I've realized that I'm out of alignment. How cool is this? I could, spend, I've could have spent 26 years doing this, but I'm awake now after six. Now my job is, they rubbing their hands going, I'm ready to figure this out. Yeah. But it's judgment. The minute the judgment comes in, there is no opportunity for growth. Judgment, when judgment is present, growth is dead.
1: And I'll and, agree with you. That. I, I was definitely very yeah. judgy on myself years ago. But obviously, yeah. I'm reaching where you're talking about now, where it's like, wait a minute. No, like, celebrate what you learn from that. And then yep. turn that into life lessons that we could pass on through You know, right now we're doing it on a podcast. We're almost, we're almost tapping into that wisdom component, right? Like what did we learn? How can we possibly spin that and how can we pass that on? So people learn from that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm loving this, man. See, I'm looking forward to this podcast. <laughs> and again, I, I try and remind people I've had a few people on YouTube, like, they'll comment, which I, I could give a crap about people who uh, follow me on YouTube and, and talk negatively. But I tell people, like, like, oh, well, it's all about him. I'm like, it's not about me. I'm trying to give you some examples, like, dude, I'm not hiding anything. I, would, I want people, like, what well, you just said, like, I'm giving that as an example. You're coaching me on the fact that, like, dude, let's really be careful of the negative spin. Let's make sure people understand that needs to be a positive spin. So we do yeah. move something positive forward out of that and not sit there and beat ourselves up. Because I did for a while. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's harsh. Now do you find a lot of that popping up in your in your uh, your coaching Everywhere.
0: Groups? Everyone beats the crap out of themselves. Yeah. We treat ourselves with such disdain in the world today, and then people justify the disdain and the judgment as a way of motivating themselves. Well, if I'm hard on myself, and motivates myself. And I go, yeah, great. How's that going to work for you long term? Or how's it working for you right now? Because what happens is your body, your mind, your heart starts to literally break down. If you push yourself too hard physically, your body starts to, to, you know, to react. and and, and that drive can get you to from point a to point b but it's never going to get you to c and c for me is not just being successful but being successful doing something you love it's easy to be successful in business in societal terms it is very difficult for some to be successful financially and to do something they want to do and that's the holy grail for me so i find that the more judgment you have the more painful life can be the more you need to control and try to be in control of everything and when you begin to let go of that, people's fear is that they will lose, their, their drive will diminish. It won't be as focused. It won't be as driven. Bullshit. It's actually the opposite. You start to integrate into a flow state as opposed to this arduous grinding state because you can still get it done. And that'll be fine when you're in your 40s and your 30s and your 20s. But when you start moving beyond that, what ends up happening is you start to get health problems. It starts to break down and so on and so forth. So getting into a flow state is not and should not be owned, no sports franchise in the world trademarked and has the right to flow. It is a human state. It is not a sports state.
1: I love that because we do bring on a regular sports psychologist, uh, actually local here too. She's amazing. Uh, Dr. Megan Cannon, shout out. And we talk so much about mindset. We come on every month and we talk about flow states come up more and more. I mean, look at the Olympians, right? Everybody's got their headphones on. They're in their zone. They're walking themselves through the movements. They're trying to... They're, they have det- they've figured out the steps they have to take to enter into that said flow state. But a lot of people do feel this is just something coming from the fitness world. And I'm loving you're hitting on this right now, because it's, that's just that's just the most public people you see using that. Right. <laughs> so how do you explain how do you simplify flow statement? Because like everybody seems to pr- present it in a different way. Like how do you simplify it to the people you work with?
0: Um, flow, flow is available to us on a, on a pretty consistent basis. Not every moment of every day, mm-hmm. uh, flow, flow state is simply the absence of thinking. It is the complete absence of thinking. It's the ability to get out of your head and uh, people say, how does that work? You know, Tiger Woods, I mean, obviously he's thinking about what shot he's going to hit, et cetera. That's the mechanical piece. That's the piece that comes very natural. Mm-hmm. Every single golfer and golf, golf is probably the greatest example of this because it's a very individual sport and there's so many moving parts to golf. And I've studied these golfers all over the world. I now work, I've worked with sports teams. I've, I'm, I'm currently working with an MLS team, a pro team in yes. Canada. Um, I've done a lot of work with Olympic athletes. And every single one of them will, will, will have performed at their best in a time where they almost describe a state of being where they actually were not thinking. They just intuitively, I, I shared a story in a dressing room. I was brought into a very sacred place the other day to do a talk in a dressing room. Mm-hmm. And I shared about a story about a guy called Ray Houghton who scored a goal for the Irish national team against Italy, which is, you know, for some, is the home of soccer or whatever. Um, Ireland, it's our third or fourth sport. And in the World Cup, you know, he gets the ball in his chest and he looked around because he always passes the ball and he just decided, what the hell? And he took a shot, It went over the defenders, over the keeper and landed in the goal. And four million people in Ireland jumped into the air, <laughs> screaming. And honestly, when they landed, you could feel the vibration. So they,
1: they just shake the earth, man.
0: It was unbelievable and every interview he ever did laugh says you know did you plan that did you ever think you did you visualize it he goes what are you talking about i says i've never scored a goal in my life never never i've, I've hardly scored a goal in my life never mind a goal at like that he says i just didn't know what i just done i wasn't thinking about it and i think that is representative to everything so if you think about it is so then the question becomes how do we create more flow
1: hmm.
0: okay so i think it's the wrong question oh i think it's the stupidest question on earth yeah. i understand it, but it's the wrong question i'll tell you why okay I come from a natural disposition. I believe that we are born with the ability to be in flow on regular basis. I think that's a natural place. It's not an unnatural place. It's not something we have to strive to get to. It's a place we have to strive to get back to. Big difference. So therefore, my question is, why isn't it present? Where is it gone? What has happened to you What's that you stopped trusting it? Yes, that to me is the answer because if the other answer implies that it's behind a rock somewhere, we got to go find it, we got to go find my passion. My... It's the same principle, passion or purpose. I assume that it's already lying there. It's what gets in the way. And what I find is trauma, uh, any type of trauma you've gone through as a child, as a teenager today, uh, anger, uh, negativity towards self, judgment towards self, uh, a lack of trust in self, Most people don't trust themselves. They trust their bank manager more than they trust themselves. They're the fundamental things that most of us never address and never deal with. And therefore, if I don't trust myself, why would I trust my intuition, which is the essence of who I am? A thought is your mind's voice. A feeling is your soul's voice, as far as I'm concerned. Why would I trust that voice that's telling me to do something or not, if I don't fundamentally trust who I am? You wouldn't listen to your bank manager telling you what to do with $50,000 where you should invest it if you didn't trust him. The Mm. same principle applies personally. So always assume that flow is there. You're just not accessing it or trusting it or you've given up on it for a a reason.
1: I love the correction because I I agree with you. I've had enough people on the show. We have talked about flow. I don't always ask them all, how do you find it? Because that's yeah. a great clarification. Like, yeah. And by the way, and school I, I want to be really clear
0: is when yeah. I say that's a stupid, I don't mean your, no, your no. question or you personally, that's never, I've never implied that. I mean, just in societal terms, it's the wrong question that we're asking
1: ourselves. It's so true because you've already hit on this during the show. We both have, I think, but it's like, uh, this self judgment is so powerful. Like these negative, these negative mindset, uh, channels that we allow ourselves to go on create so much blockage. Of course, you're having issues trying to find your flow. Yeah, I totally mean, right. if you, uh, this, this self-trust is huge. And yeah. I do see that. I, I'm not trying to single out this is the millennial generation or what, whatever the next, what's the next one? Z? I don't you know. Whatever. I don't even
0: follow that stuff. Because we've <laughs> all
1: been there, right? It's just that I think, to your point from earlier in the show too, right? There is, there is we are in the information age. You could, instead of Googling it, you could YouTube it. You know, that all these new terms, right? Or The old term was just, oh, I want to read, research, or search for that information. Now people just say, Google it, YouTube it. You know, whatever. Point is, there's just so much information to overload now. A lot of us do feel like, oh, I am putting in the work because I'm reading or I'm listening. But this goes back to way earlier in the show, right? The, the taking the action to, okay, is this gonna work or not? Well, if you never ch- test it, how, do you, how are you gonna know? It's like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the founder of LinkedIn, Reed. Uh, one of his famous quotes was, uh, if you're not embarrassed by your first you know, product or whatever you released, you, know, you, you waited too long. <laughs> You could have something that could change the world, but you're so anal and maybe you don't trust yourself. You sit on, you sit on this thing. You never release it. Well, how do you know? You don't know. You got to put exactly. it out there. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So now in, on that mindset piece and around one last talk, right? Did you have any of that? Cause I mean, you already understand all this. You know, all that, but did you have any hesitations when you threw the book out there? i had had hesitations
0: before i wrote the book i had hesitations um when the book went out I have hesitations today i mean hesitations and 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 questions don't go away we can pretend they do and we don't honor them but i i think the book wasn't written uh for a period of time because i didn't believe uh that people would read the book i want the book i want the movement so yeah there's there's there was huge hesitations and uh for me, I always use the power of one more. I call it the power of one more. And that is engaging somebody that believes in you when you don't believe in yourself. Mm. And I've, I've been able to adapt that you know, intuitively, whether it's with my wife, with a guy called Tucker Max, who, who helped me uh, write the book. He um, um, to, to basically extracted it out of me through interviews and everything else. So you know, when I'm not 100% sure intellectually, but I do believe in something intuitively, often I engage somebody to support it not not yeah just to just to draw it out of me and to, and to get it going and support it and yeah absolutely huge hesitations and the day it went out i was scared shitless of what the world would think
1: <laughs> i remember i watched you on facebook when uh because you, you did some facebook lives you know as, yes. as you're about ready to release it and then i think when the first batch arrived at the house and all that stuff so yeah i've been following you for a while so <laughs> i was just like yep there it is man nice so uh did you do something with your son in one of the I don't know. One of your Facebook. Yeah,
0: videos. I opened the first copy of the book, and my son was there, there and go. my wife did the little video of me taking the book out, and it was it was quite surreal. But yeah. that book is there's there's an ownership to that book in the essence that it, you know the book has come out of me, but I've dedicated that book to the men and women who've done their one last talks, and the men and women who are going to do them. So I've just made a little promise to myself that I'll never sign a copy of the book, for example, which is a, is about me giving homage to these men and women because it's really all about them.
1: Hmm. That, and, and that was something unique when you did that because I was like, I didn't get it right at first. I was like, what do you mean he's not going to sign any of them? Like, what is the symbolism behind that? And then I, sh- and I shared the video to a few people in some coaching groups and they actually responded the same way. A lot of people didn't understand what you meant. It was interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, I but I, I don't even get the idea of signing books. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I say this <laughs> with a lot of respect. I don't get the whole idea of people taking photographs with me when I'm at speaking events. I just I just don't get it. Mm. And uh, I'm not trying to be rude or, or single people out, but... Um, you know what difference does it make if I sign a copy of the book? I mean, you know, does it? Does it? What does it really do? I've, I'd rather look at somebody in the eyes and, and and have a dialogue, or answer a question, or ask them a question, and connect. But when I'm signing a book and my head's down, I'm doing a signing. Yes, I may sell more books and I may stroke my ego, but what does it really do to sign a book? And uh, I know a lot of people will argue with that, but that's just my view.
1: Well, I, I'm loving the feedback right now because I'm cataloging it because I'm actually finishing my first book. And, yeah. uh, and it's going to be, it's going to be completely, its mission is going to be focused on, you know, a kind of a chapter I learned from just attending thrive, make money matter and, and the purpose of that mindset and finding for purpose in your business. But I'm going to dedicate that book to, to fallen hotshots. Uh, because I, I served alongside of the, I don't know if you knew, saw that movie that came out only the brave. Yeah. So yeah. I knew them. Uh, my crew was based, our base was about an hour and a half from Prescott. So I served in 2010 and 2011, And then I, I I left the profession, but that, you know, Grand mountain hotshots and the Pleasant Valley hotshots, we served on a lot of the same fires together. So I knew a bunch of those faces and it was a pretty surreal awakening. And actually I felt guilty, not staying in longer, but then after obviously they passed and the tragedy, I'm like, okay, see everything happens for a reason, Scott, you made these decisions because they felt right. Um, and now I'm like, okay, years later, what if I write an amazing book and that's part of my fear, right? it's taken me longer to edit it. And I think it's just me spinning my wheels because maybe there's some confidence issues on that. Cause this is, this is more than just putting out a book. There's I'm like, I'm worried about what the hotshot community is going to think and my old brothers and people I serve with. And it, it, that's why I wanted to bring this stuff up because it's like, yeah.
0: It, there's only there one I, way to get around that.
1: Put it and, out there. that <laughs> and that is not, and that is not
0: even taking action. It's about, I met with two, two guys recently who've written a book and they're not, they haven't published the book. And I said to them, I said, so where's the book at? And they kind of looked at me slightly sheepish and and guilty looking. And I just said, they, they got into, well, it needs more more research and editing. And I said, okay, leave that aside. Hmm. Describe to me who this book is for. And they said, Oh, for people like, or, you know, in business, I said, no, no, give, give, give this person a name. And I said, like, physically, like picture somebody. I said, yeah. Well, it's like, just to say it's for a guy, John is an entrepreneur, he's 40 years old, and he wants to make sure that he's driving a business that has meaning to him and everything else. And he wants to get work-life balance, you know, whatever the, the story was. Mm-hmm. And I said, so it's going to help him make money because yeah, it's going to help him create some work-life balance. Yeah. It's going to help him connect with his family. Yeah. Great. So basically John has to suffer because you two assholes won't get off your ass and write your book. And you're basically depriving the world of this gift and this opportunity to impact the world because you're not ready. And I'm not directing this at you, but this is what I said. No, to but I'm
1: loving it. <laughs> and the two of
0: them looked at me with a, with a slight bit of disgust and judgment, but also this realization that, holy shit, up to this point, it's been all about me. Hmm. And what, what, what they will think of me, what I will think of me, the judgment I will receive, but it's all about them. Yeah. And that's what we do. This is an opportunity for them to go, holy shit, if we don't do this, we're depriving the world of an opportunity to grow. Yeah, I don't have that right to hold on to that. And they promised me they would or, or produce the book in the next two months or three months, whatever the time frame was.
1: Nice, and they did.
0: Yeah, I, I believe it's happening. Yeah, oh, cool. it's, awesome.
1: this is very recent. Is very recent. Yeah. Well, and uh, admittedly, that, that some of that feedback you just shared with us. I mean, listeners, you know, write the stuff down, pause, go back, replay. That's the whole point of digital content, okay? Uh, but it. That's the point, right? It's like that's, that's what fueled the fire to write the book you know. because I'm a marketing guy. So I get – you, what you coached him on initially was, okay, guys, describe your avatar. And I've, ever, I've already done all that. I know exactly who I'm going to benefit. The book is already titled. It's already written. I'm just moving through the editing process, but I've allowed other things that distract me. And, yeah. and uh, I, I think this kind of circles back to stuff we were talking about earlier where I think a lot of us – especially high performers or people who just are good self-critics, we get in our own way and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 18, a uh, top athlete, you could be 30, you could be 50. I don't care. It, a lot of us get in our own way and, and you've yep. solidified that today.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
1: And obviously, ladies and gentlemen, one last talk, um, you're going to get some of that <laughs> and you're not going to get a signature. I didn't even ask. Because I, obviously I saw the Facebook <laughs> video, so I totally I, I said that. Uh, and I, I, I get it now. I do get it. And I think a lot of people probably still don't, but I think you have to – your video when you did that I think helped me like, think deeper about that meaning behind it.
0: Yeah, I think if you read the book, which I would encourage genuinely not just to sell books, but mm. because I think the process of going through the methodology around One Last Talk is about self-awareness. It's about dropping that, you know, from information to knowledge to wisdom to, to awareness, but really understanding who you are and therefore what you're on this earth to do. And irrespective of whether you ever want to give a talk or not, I'd be, I encourage people to read it. But I think when you read it, you'll see the courage involved in sharing your One Last Talk. And therefore, I'm a catalyst. That's all I am. I'm, I'm on this earth as a gateway into, you know, people helping people connect with themselves and what they're here to do. Um, so it's not about me. And I think that's the thing that, you know, keeps me in check. And I think, you know, when I get away from that, I start to lose myself.
1: You know, uh, you, you barely dropped the word maybe once or twice earlier in the show, but I think that's something people need to understand about the book and about your bio and everything else is that it's not just a book. You, You said the key word movement.
0: Yeah. And this is, we want to create a movement. We're creating yeah. a movement around this.
1: This is yeah. way bigger than you. It's way bigger than me. It's way bigger than the podcast, our listeners, the book. A movement is something of a grand scale. Yep. And I think a lot of people don't understand that.
0: Well, we are launching in, um, I mean, and literally we, we, we really stepped into this about eight or nine months ago. It had been around for a while, but I'd never executed uh, significantly on it. We're launching in Reading and just outside of London, Dublin, Ireland. Hmm. Uh, we're launching in Vancouver, um, Toronto and Canada, Victoria, Australia. Um, we're Omaha, Nebraska, Boulder, where I'm gonna do New York and Austin later this year. And we're looking for people to step in and become leaders in their own in their own geographic location so they can take one last talk to a community and make an impact. And maybe they do something for a living that doesn't give them as much as of an outlet to impact the world, but this is an opportunity for them to do that. We've done it in a prison. We wanna bring it to schools, universities, and then um, We're bringing into companies in-house. We've already done that to uh, allow people to connect or team deepen, as we call it. Um, So yeah, we're sorry,
1: team deepen, deepen,
0: team deepening. Yeah, so we basically coined the phrase, like you know, we trademarked it. And this is a, a way of the future is about team deepening, not team building. Team building is old fashioned um, mm-hmm. and team deepening is what people are really looking for because people talk about communities. And, and in essence, most communities are simply Facebook groups. Uh, real community is about connection. And I know you're all about connection in, in this podcast and what you do. Um, so we're here to bring one last talk as a methodology into the world as a way to help people connect with themselves and everyone around them.
1: I like that because another keyword is popping in my head right now and is if you implement this right and you have the right people involved, it's more than just a methodology. It could become that vehicle that that one person from a, a maybe a very unique career choice never knew was available to them. It's like, okay, yeah. if this actually might be your outlet, as you hinted. Like You could be just a really, really happy accountant stuck behind a computer all day. I can't fathom doing that, but and I appreciate and love my accountant <laughs> because he can. Uh, but what if... That guy had that little itch and he's never exercised it and he could still keep, still keep being an amazing accountant, love that computer life, love the number crunching. But what if that is still something that he needs to scratch?
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't believe, and I say this a lot with a lot of love and respect. It's like people in real estate tell me my passion is real estate, and, and accountants tell me my passion is numbers. I don't believe that's actually with respect true. I don't think that you can be passionate about people or numbers, or sorry, you can be passionate about property or numbers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> passion is only comes with people in connection. Um, it doesn't mean that you're in the wrong job. It doesn't mean you have to leave it. It means that you need to understand that it's not until you start impacting the world, and then somebody will say, "But hang on, I impact people through accounting." it's different. And it's not until you get a taste of what it is like to impact somebody face to face in a deeper emotional context, you realize how you've been starving yourself and the world of impact.
1: Hmm. Wow. Well, uh, you just helped define the deepening component, (laughs) which by the way, I'm going to remember that one because I've been using team building for years and, uh, I didn't know there's nothing wrong with team building. Just the no. research
0: is showing that people want to connect. There's a whole body of research uh, called self-determination theory. I think it's called It yeah. says three, people want to, they want three things. They want to be competent at mm-hmm. what they do. They want to be authentic in their own lives. They want to connect, connect deeply with themselves and people around them mm-hmm. and team deepening and, the, and our methodology behind that delivers two out of the three. And we believe that when you deliver authenticity and connection, Productivity increases automatically, so therefore competency actually gets better. So we deliver two out of three with influence in the third uh, as a byproduct of that, and that's the mission we're on for the next until I die.
1: Yeah, I. I well, uh, again, I it goes back to this. It could become like a step by step process on that timeline concept. Team building is still very surface level, right? People have to start there, and then they find you, and it's like, oh, you can go deeper. Okay, yeah. I had no idea. And some yeah. people maybe aren't ready for the full deepening yet, right? So let's, yeah. let's okay, let's at least get your head wrapped around what team building is, and then let's get you in deep. Yeah,
0: and, and, I, and I'll add one other thing to this is I talked to a business owner recently. He goes, ah, I don't think that's my responsibility to bring my, you know, to connect my team. And I go, it's not your responsibility, but it's definitely your problem. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, the minute somebody walks through that door and they've got a, Uh, A young child at home who's suffering or they've had loss in their life or they're semi-depressed or they're going through a breakup It may not be your responsibility, but the minute they walk through that door to think That it's not influencing their work is not just old-fashioned, but it's ludicrous. It is absolutely ludicrous We are too smart to buy that same stupid story that we've been telling ourselves forever. So it may not be your responsibility but it is your problem. You are, you are, you've adopted that problem the minute that person walks through the door. What I'm saying is there's is an opportunity to begin to address that for them and indirectly for yourself.
1: Hmm. So true. I literally used to manage people years ago and you are 100% correct. And I had people who were having new children and the children were sick or there's a child going in and out of the yep. hospital. And we were huge on, well, back then, team building uh, because yep. I needed to make sure they were confident enough to even talk to me about it. They don't have to. There's all these HR rules and all this other stuff. But it's like, in the end, are they confident? Are they comfortable? And to your point, yes, it totally impacts your work performance. How do you ignore that in your head? You're always worried about what's going on with your kid while you're stuck at work. And it's like, dude, it's going to distract them. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Is, that's an understatement. <laughs> well, listen, hang tight. I'm going to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at the end of our slot because i got another show coming up. But let me tell you. I said it before, I'll say it again. We'll be sharing all over social media. One last talk, okay? It's on Amazon. I'll tell you what, even for the video watchers, I'm going to do a little screen share to prove myself. Right here. One second, okay. Make sure I don't go back to the Borg. And we have on Amazon. You have all of training programs too, by the way, but right here. I've already actually added this to our influencer page. So when you go to livethefuel.com and you click on the Amazon banner, you'll see the option to go look at the book recommendations. Trust me, it's there. It's in the list with all the rest of our library. So make sure you guys take advantage of it. And again, you can get it in Kindle. You can get it hardcover. However you guys want to do it, I don't care. Uh, the most important thing is consume it. See if it's a movement you're ready for. And if not, at least earmark it for something later. Because let me tell you, I read the book, and it is awesome. And it is on the second read list. That's where I have a list of books that I have to read at least a second or a third time. So, ladies and gentlemen, philipmccarron.com. Check him out. Everything will be linked in the show notes like we always do. And remember, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. And Philip definitely helped us do that today. So, remember, you too can live the fuel. And we'll talk to you guys again soon.
0: Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So, please visit us at livethefuel.com.